Hopefully, Northern Michigan has their disease issue under control for once in a generation. (laughs) (laughs) They're used to it. A lot of testing, right? Used to testing. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to Episode 7 of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Rob Gilreath. Hey. You're not used to being first on that list, are you, Rob? No, I had to put my beer down. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Johnson from Johnson Jerseys. Hello. And David Cummings, better known as Biddy or Bidco on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Another Jersey snob. And excuse me, I should have said a councilman-elect David Cummings in Crystal, right. Minnesota. Yeah, don't forget it. I'm actually sitting in Omaha, Nebraska at the moment for work, 15 minutes away from the NCHC pod, but even as a member of the press, I am not able to attend because they don't want people dropping in, which makes sense since I don't really have a good reason to go to those games other than to maybe watch Seamus Donahue skate around Mm -hmm. for his new team. (laughs) This week, we're going to discuss the Bemidji State Series, uh, Alaska canceling their season, the Joe Sean Hour, which I didn't get a whole lot of out of this week. Uh, the NCHC pod, since we've got Biddy here. We'll talk college hockey jerseys, but I'm guessing most of that content will be saved for a podcast that we'll put out after Christmas. And then we'll look ahead to the Northern Michigan series. Anything big that happened in the last week that I'm missing, guys? No, I got nothing for you. I'm in addition to that. What you touched on earlier, I think we'll talk. We'll probably talk about later, was... Uh, University of Alaska deciding not to play their uh, season, right? That was in there. You're Not only are you blind to my original email, you're a little deaf, huh? <laughs> I'm just trying to do a good pod for everybody. Just so focused. <laughs> All right. Before we take a break, I want to touch on two things, which I think I talked about in the last episode, but not too many of you listened to that one for some reason. Maybe you were put off by the title I chose. Uh, the Authentic Jersey Order will happen but I'm still waiting on pricing, and I'm also a little nervous about some complications that might make it unbearable for me, but I'll save those details till they actually happen. There's still time to show your interest in a cream, gold, white, or 100th season jersey. This podcast and the website as a whole and a lot of Mitch's Misfits travel is supported by the jersey sale and... Things like our Patreon, which is at Patreon slash Tech Hockey Guide. Uh, we will be doing a monthly Zoom chat with a special guest. Our next guest will be the former former Husky and current Youngstown Phantoms head coach Brad Patterson. If you sign up at the white level or above, which is just two dollars a month, you'll be able to check that out and uh, get priority for questions. Since this podcast started, we've done extended versions of the podcast for our patrons at the black level or above, which is $5 a month. This level uh, also includes an authentic MTU jersey patch after you've given $10. We also have the crazy-ass give-us-money $25 level so you can watch our Zoom chat, which is actually kind of interesting today since Ryan has his 
jersey picture behind him, and we've got Biddy today, and I'm sitting in Omaha with some lovely art behind me. There. Look at that pretty picture in the hotel room here. I figured I'd get the only jersey I have that Ryan wouldn't own and wear it for today, too, so... Very nice. <laughs> I'll have to throw a jersey on while we're doing this. My my wife was making fun of me because I'm pretty sure it's a goalie jersey. There's no way these shoulders fit mine. They are massive. <laughs> it's all massive. I actually had a misfit ask me this week who the who the music was, and I'm like, I say their name like three times in every podcast. How have you not picked up on the name of the band yet? So I sent him the link, and he was going to buy the music and stuff. And I was like, well, that's cool. Somebody likes the music at least. (laughs) So speaking of the music, let's do the thank you notes, plus a brief note from our sponsor who gives us a penny each time you guys listen. I know it's a lot, but it's better than nothing. We'll come back and talk about the Bemidji State Series. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back. So, Biddy, your your team managed to stay number three in the country after kind of laying an egg there yesterday against Colorado College. Yeah, they sure did. So, for the listeners that don't know, I am a big uh, UMD fan, and uh, UMD had a great start to the pod. They were five zero and one, and they had a uh, they they played super well, and then they laid an egg against uh, Colorado College. <laughs> and they lost uh, 4-1 on Sunday. So that was a bit of a kick. But after losing some of their great players from last year, like Hunter Shepard and Hobie Baker winner Scott Perunovich, they are reloaded instead of rebuilding. So it's going to be a fun year for for UMD. So I'm pretty excited to see what, what's in store for our second half. But uh, the NCHC pod's been way more fun than I ever thought it would be. Uh so for folks that don't know, NCHC decided to do a pod route, kind of like the NHL did with their postseason. And there's like 38 or 40 games. Each team is playing 10 games, except for UMD, which is playing nine. So that's nice because the minimum standard for games that you need to and make the NCAA tournament this year is 13. So they're going to have most of those knocked out. So if there's cancellations in the second half, that's a little bit less stress on them. Uh, they have testing. So basically it's in Omaha, Nebraska. They brought all the teams there. They had to quarantine for one week before going there. And each team is in like a hotel. And there's they're the only people in those hotels because right now there's not a lot of hotels spaces being used. So it works out well that way. And they get tested before games. They only go to the the, the arena, which is like right next door in Omaha there. Uh, they're tested before those games. Uh, there's different tiers within the pods, so like they're in tier one, and they the players and staff only interact with people that are in that tier, so they're completely like separated from other people. And then they have two other tiers for different like media and whatnot, and they even limit the number of media that they can have in there. 
And what's been great is there's basically a game almost every day, sometimes three games. So it's been super fun to watch a lot of just a lot of hockey where it's been delayed for two months. We didn't get our usual October start, and that's been great. And you get to see teams that you really wouldn't care to, but it's nice to watch live hockey. Uh, and it's just been really, really fun and a great showcase for the league. So I've had a blast this these last couple of weeks watching the pod in Omaha. I think some of the some of the videos you've seen that come out of it or, or pictures that have come out of it have been kind of neat too. Like uh, I saw a picture on Twitter either yesterday or a couple of days ago uh, of one of the locker rooms that one of the teams was using, and they were they were set up inside of uh, the the gift shop area of the arena yeah, because so, there's not enough room. <laughs> so they're they're making do. <laughs> yeah, the one downside they they chose Omaha because the University of Nebraska Medical Center is there, which is one of the best like medical places in the world. And they were able to access their testing. But then the downside is Omaha's arena, Baxter Arena, only has like six locker rooms, I think. Because uh, the other place they were thinking was the Ralph. And the Ralph has like 12 or something like that, some crazy amount of locker rooms. So they've had to like do makeshift rooms. So UMD's locker room was literally like the gift shop that's on the first floor. And they had this funny photo on Twitter where you could see like like the hooks <laughs> that you would that, like you would put like clothing on that they were hanging jerseys from. So I'm like, that looks kind of familiar. I'm like, oh. That's a gift shop, and it was so. There's a little bit of wrinkles to the pod, but overall, it's been a super, super fun thing for the last few weeks. I can't believe they wouldn't leave the merchandise for sale in that room with the <laughs> hockey gear, and you know, just get that authentic scent going. That's right. Get that get that VBO scent on that stuff. Boy, that would go really well. You could say it's like game used or something. Now, David, getting back to uh, the loss mm-hmm. there to Colorado College, unfortunately. I think this pod puts a lot of pressure on the coaches as well because you can't use bus legs and travel as an excuse. I mean, you just got to man up and say, hey, we got beat that night. And uh, that's got to put pressure on the coaching staff, I would think. It does put pressure on the coaching staff, but it was interesting. The the, the headlines from some of the Duluth News Tribune articles about this was coaches refuse to use fatigue as an excuse. And because the players had played like – six games in eight days, something like that. So you kind of have a, you have a different excuse where the players are used to playing two games a week and now they're playing way more games. And you definitely can tell by the time they're at that sixth game, they're a little bit tired. So coaches won't say it. They won't admit to it, but you could tell the part of the reason UMD lost is they were tired. You could just tell that game. They just didn't have it. They were just tired and they didn't have it. That's probably the one downside of the pause. It's a a lot of games and a lot of days. Well, didn't didn't CC start a little later too? They they had a week delay in coming into the pod too, right? That's part of it too. Yeah. The, yeah. the one wrinkle was CC had some kind of COVID issue, so they were a week late to the pod. So they kind of screwed everything up, and they had to change the scheduling too. So CC has less games to play, so they were a little bit more fresh than say UMD was. But uh, I think that the only that's probably my only complaint is that they're playing. Too many games and the players might get a little tired, but you know they're but early twenties doing it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody's doing it, and what they're college age kids, right? They're 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 going to be okay. It's just just a little bit of adjustment for them. And it, it's going up until basically the normal you know holiday break, right? So it's got uh, a little bit past the holiday break. Is it okay? Usually, this weekend usually would be when UMD would be done because they have finals this week, but uh, it's it's a little bit later. But all things considered, it's. It's fine. So it's uh, it's been great hockey, though, too. And that's been really, really fun to watch. So 
another thing that's been nice about it is Midco, which is like a uh, cable sports network or cable network in North Dakota, South Dakota. They've been like broadcasting and doing the streams for the games. They normally do the Fighting Hawks games, right? They do the Fighting Hawks games, yep, and a bunch of other, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota teams. So the production has been just great. You get, like, you have, like, uh, play-by-play people uh, on each broadcast, and the picture quality is, like, perfect. It is HD, really good imagery. It's also not been just the Midco folks, right? I mean, it's people like Starman's in there, which you don't usually see him get into the college hockey game until, you know, the the end of year tournament time, so... You've been able to pull in a couple of relatively high-profile names to do some of this work. So, yeah, it's definitely been a real successful, I don't know if you want to say event. It's not really an event, I guess. Uh, a real successful thing for the NCHC from an exposure perspective, for sure. Yeah, I was going to touch base on that, too. You made a good point that it's been a huge exposure for the NCHC. It's, I think a lot of people are paying attention to it because, first, they're the only college hockey uh, conference that's done a pod. And that brings a lot of eyeballs and having all these teams they can hype up and say that they're really good and show to recruits that it's like this, this league that did a pod, no one else has done it. It's a huge showcase for it, uh, for the league. And you have all these games throughout the week, which on a side note really messes with your head. So it's been a really, I think it's been a really, really big boon for the league. And it's just been fun for fans, uh, going back and forth with the, uh, different, uh, NCHC fans. Uh, we we just can't say good good enough, enough good things about how much fun it's been and how cool it's been to have all these different games and the production quality and just being able to enjoy this pod has just been just a really really fun experience as a fan. Yeah, it's definitely a nice distraction, if you will, from how crappy the season is. Not being able to be a normal fan, right? Yep. Yeah, there's there's definitely something more to that. You know, this is it's the first time my parents haven't been. Yeah, hockey games since the early 80s, you know, so it's it's definitely this whole season is a weird, weird adjustment for everybody involved. So I think it probably has that same energy as, say, the NHL playoffs where, you know, maybe in your market, you might get a game on the weekend or something like that. But when the NHL playoffs roll around, then it's like there's a key game on every night of the week for about three months in a row. And it's uh, one of the best times to watch. So I'm sure it probably has a, a similar feel like that for NCHC fans. It, it really does. It's 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 not quite a tournament. It's kind of a showcase. It's somewhere in between. And it, it's what I what I really like, too, is it's guilt free, like sports love. Like you don't have to worry about players catching COVID during it. You don't have to worry about like the season getting canceled. You know, you're going to have these set games for these two weeks and you're just there to enjoy it. Because what I like to say is once we get to January and we're doing just the regular league schedule, it's going to be a shit show. Like the <laughs> WCHA has seen with a lot of the teams where they yeah, great. Want, I get to so, do the explicit tag this week. <laughs> a lot. So, yeah. Like we can maybe, we can maybe, t- yeah, we can maybe touch base on like what Northern's played, what zero Run. games, two yeah, games, something like that. Their first game is Wednesday. Yeah. The day yeah. after this comes out. If, if nothing happens and Minnesota States played, Three games? Bemidji's played three games. I think Minnesota State has too, because I don't think they played this weekend unless they played the... They haven't played any... I don't think they played a D1 school this weekend, so... MSOE was also canceled. Yeah, MSOE got canceled too. They did not play. MSOE had had a case within their program, so they didn't play. 
And Northern Michigan, they're in the high teens already for COVID cases on the hockey team alone. So their team has got uh, the uh, herd immunity now, right? Like 75% of the team's got it. They're good. You'd hope so. But whatever they're doing, nobody else needs to model that and uh, copy that model of operations. It's nothing new with Northern and diseases. So. One of the other things I did like about the NCHC pod setup was all the games, different times, and then they created the pod-specific pricing so that you can watch those games on their own for, I think it was like $45 or something. Yep, yep, $45 bucks gets you 40 games. Yeah, the other thing I didn't take a look at, though, was is the... Are they still doing like they used to do like the free game of the week? Are they doing that during the pod? No, no. there's no okay. free game of the week. Yeah, you have to you have to pay to to watch it. But yeah. uh, it comes out to basically a little over a dollar a game if you just get the pod the pod broadcast. And like I was saying earlier, you know it's HD. You get quality play by play guys. You don't just have the radio guys and oh. uh, <laughs> highlights, uh, interviews. They. They've pretty much gone all out. Is that a dig on Siski? <laughs> that did feel like a slight no, dig No, that on... was a dig at the Bemidji people, actually. <laughs> but I, as a side note, though, when I was watching uh, when Tech was uh, posting Minnesota State and they had Dirk on, yeah. Dirk, like, the way he describes the game, it it's exactly like a person uh, just doing video, you know? Like, he does such a good job of describing the action that it, nothing was really, really lost. But when yep. you're watching the Bemidji guy, when you're watching the Bemidji broadcast, you could, uh, they were, what, they're doing their job. They're doing the radio feed. But when it was posted on the, on top of the, the video, it, a little bit was lost. But I just thought that was an interesting point. Just kind of, that, I just noticed that difference between, uh, Dirk and the, the other folks that were there. But that's just a, that's just kind of coincidental, but kind of, kind of cool. Props to him. Well, what was the, so, to kind of circle back on that, one of the yep. other things that we talked about with Flow Hockey was, for, was it for the ECHL? Yeah, the ECHL has an option where you can pick home or away feed. So my brother and I were mm. sitting here just BSing a little bit after the game, and we both popped on a couple of the ECHL games that were on afterwards to see you know, what was there. And uh, one of the options right on the bottom of it is you can click home feed or away feed. So. I will gladly pay the hundred and fifty bucks has, a year to be able to listen to Dirk synced every game without me having right? to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't mind like listening would, to the. I, one of the things I do like is listening to the away announcers, just to get that different perspective. But it definitely shows how spoiled we are while listening to some of the mm-hmm. others around the league. As long as they don't go full Homer like Jack Edwards, if he was in college hockey, <laughs> I would not be able to listen to a visiting feed. But most of the college guys keep it fairly neutral. Yeah, and even the Bemidji feed, as you're listening to them this weekend, right? I mean, they they uh, were singing the praises of how much it must hurt Tech to not play in front of a home crowd because the Tech home crowds are usually good. They you know they mentioned the fact that the band's missing, the home crowd is missing, the Misfits are missing. So there's there's definitely a, a good perspective from a lot of the college hockey announcers where they're not that Homer style uh, for the most part. I don't find that a lot with uh, around the WCHA at least. And one point, one more point on the NCHC TV. It hasn't been without its problems. There was a game or two where the feed wasn't working for whatever reason. And I was struggling with it because I had the NCHC app on my iPhone and I couldn't cast it from my phone. But I emailed Sidearm Sports, who does like the hosting for it, and it got fixed. So 
Uh, there's been some issues. It hasn't been perfect, but I was I was pretty impressed when I emailed them and I got they they fixed that thing for me. So some poor network guy, network server guy in the back end went shit. I forgot to click that checkbox. Click that. Click apply, and then you got the option to work. So <laughs> that was probably it because there was other yeah. As an IT guy, someone got a pager call because of your email, ruined someone's dinner. You know the usual. <laughs> That's what they get. Nothing's paid more for. important than me. <laughs> Yeah, hey, at yeah. least at least he got a response. I don't know how many right. times I've like tweeted yeah. at them and you get nothing and try yeah, to Flo, DM them. Flow Flo definitely seems a lot less receptive to answering support calls than Stretch was. Well, I from... mean, it feels like Flow just passes the buck and blames the school. Yeah, I would agree. My my one complaint wasn't too bad because the one issue they had was during a UND game, so. You can imagine how many emails and calls they got from UND fans who are not happy sure. about that. So I won't feel too bad about my one little email when they got probably a couple few dozen from. They're the most reasonable fans I've ever talked to in college hockey. <laughs> they, took so. it, they took it very well, I'm sure, as they do with everything. Yeah. Very level-headed, calm, collected folks up there in, very in much Dakotas. So. Yeah. Classic hockey fans. <laughs> Speaking of Bemidji State, we should probably circle back and talk about that series a little bit. We can start with Saturday afternoon and... and just take like three minutes of that hockey game out and things would be much better. <laughs> there have been a few times in the last few years where I've gotten up off my couch and went, what the... and just walked away. That uh, that that happened on Saturday. <laughs> that, that like three-minute stretch there where yeah. we gave up like three goals in a minute and a half and then yeah. scored one. When you have to I, hear announcers talking about, well, that's the first time or the shortest period of time in between goals in a, for Bemidji State, and you're like, that's not the record you want to be on the other side of. No. <laughs> I, I sat through a game like that at the Rush Center in Green Bay when Michigan Tech <laughs> hosted Wisconsin, and I think they scored on like five of the first six shots, and it's the first <laughs> period, and I'm just ready to rip chairs out of the arena. And the pe- even the people sitting next to me were just like, you need to take it down a level. And I'm like, I am just so frustrated sitting there watching this happen. And I'm, I've got two and two thirds of a period left to go. And it was just not the, the time to be there in person. I remember going to those games and that was like the first time I ever got my parents to go with me because they live like 45 minutes from the rush center. And it was like <laughs> six, nothing, like 10 minutes in, wasn't it? <laughs> it was not pretty. It was terrible. Anyway, so yeah, those those kind of games have kind of disappeared. So it's not a bad thing. I mean, those those games don't happen that much anymore. That you that was like my whole childhood watching tech hockey was watching North Dakota and Minnesota come in and string that kind of crap up on us like every weekend. <laughs> so you know we've turned that page hopefully. So Michigan Tech started out okay. First period was. 12 to 10 shots in favor of Bemidji State, and 1-1 was the score. Uh, the big point that I wanted to make right out the gate before we started talking about the crap show that was the middle of the second period was Yikes. Joe Sean's decision to start Sinclair. I think it was surprising, but given his explanation on the show today, it makes sense, right? Yep. He flat out said that, both guys were told during the week they were going to get their start this weekend being a non-conference game, not counting for the standings. So I, and you got to pick one of them to start, right? So either way, we would have been questioning, you know, what, uh, what that choice was. So I get it. I understand it. Given how hot Pietola was last weekend, it makes kind of a, it's a bit surprising. And then you see 
what happens. But in all honesty, I, I don't think you can blame a lot of those goals on Sinclair anyways. When you've got a goal where you literally see the defense just give up and two guys are in on, on Sinclair by himself, the goalie's screwed. That's not the goalie's fault when those type of goals go in. So, you know, I can't I can't fault uh, Sinclair for those kind of goals getting scored on him. And really, even though it hasn't been formally discussed, I think we're going to get to the end of the season and find that these non-conference games really are not going to mean anything. I have to believe we're going to end up with some kind of general equality between the conferences, you know, where everybody's going to get two bids and then a few at-larges. But I think generally these non-conference games that we're playing against in-conference teams are really going to be inconsequential when we get down to, say, late February and early March. Or they could go the opposite way. They could make them league games at the end of the year if they don't have enough games played. Well, they don't need to be league games to be played, right? If they just need to be games no. played. Oh, is that Arizona what State doesn't with? have any league games, and they still get to sure. count. Yep. It yeah, will be I, interesting to see what happens from a from that whole standpoint with the whole with Alaska dropping, whether or not they, I mean, obviously they're going to have to tweak the schedule because currently Tech does not have a winter carnival opponent. So something's going to happen there. I wouldn't be surprised if they just, depending on the balance of the schedule, I would just assume that we're just going to see whoever was supposed to play Alaska and whoever was supposed to play Anchorage plays each other each week. And you just take whatever that schedule is and, if you were supposed to be at home, you're still at home, or unless they're both home or whatever. But you'll have to figure that part out. But just balance it out and mm-hmm. just take the series that you're supposed to have there. And, you know, the thing for Tech is we put big asterisks on the schedule for Winter Carnival. But really, what is Winter Carnival series this year? There may not even be a Winter Carnival, and there probably may not be many fans sitting in the seats for those games anyway. So in the past, we've always marked that as a uh, apex weekend on the schedule. But it might just end up being two more games this year that uh, really right. don't mean much more than any other weekend. Yep. Yeah, I don't Possible. I don't think you're off there at all. That's a great point. Things great aren't going to be settled out by then. I don't think it's going to be any normal any more back mm-hmm. to normal uh for this year, so yeah, I don't I don't see that changing anything. It's not the typical every alumni that you know wants to get back and the stands are packed. It's, it's standing room only because it's sold out you know, both nights for a long time in advance, which is what typically happens with Carney. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's, that's not happening this year anyways. So, you know, is it that big of a deal that there isn't a hockey series over that weekend? If, if there isn't winter carnival happening outside of it, which is a crappy, you know, thing, but it is what it is at this point. Just do a zoom all nighter and call it good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, the, that was the way I felt when we lost out right off the bat on the Michigan series back in October. I thought the big attraction of bringing Michigan is you pack that building with right. fans and the energy mm-hmm. and the enthusiasm. And, you know, the players are just probably adrenaline coursing through their veins. And if you play that series to 30 people, what's the point of even playing it? You know, Yeah, you just I would rather see it deferred to next year anyways, right? I'd rather call, have that, call it the that building Canada back. The benefit anyways. of getting them there is a sold-out crowd. Yeah, for That's sure. what you want. You want yep. the tickets sold. Yep. Agreed. Uh, so Friday ended up being, well, Saturday. I'm going to say that repeatedly. The first <laughs> game ended up being rather disappointing. I think one of the, the positives you take away is the fact that the third period, you didn't see the Huskies quit. 
saw them working their butts off trying to get back, even though it was pretty much an insurmountable task against Bemidji State. But it did kind of start the trend. Wasn't the last goal they got another like face-off win quick goal? I, that was either the one that ended the streak, the one that Tech got at the end of Bemidji's big roll, or it was the one they got in the third. I forget which, but one of those two goals was basically very similar to two of the goals they got on Sunday, which was basically a face-off win that turned into a quick scoring opportunity, and it went in. Yeah, those are nice to see. We haven't scored a lot of those in the last few years, quick face-off style goals. That was probably my favorite part of that second period on Sunday was seeing those two, uh, or two of the, I don't know which, I can't keep track of which goals which, but I thought it was at least, I know the first goal was one of those crazy face-off goals. I don't remember if the second one there was or the third one was, but two of those three were face-off plays that basically turned into great scoring chances and they put them in. Yep. Well, one of the things we talked about, too, with the Mankato series and the games being close is that face-offs were relatively close through both of those games, right? Yep. We were pretty even on face-offs, and you look at the face-off numbers between Saturday and Sunday's games, and Saturday's game, we're just blown out of the water on face-offs, whereas Sunday's game is back to relatively even again. So, it was. So, you know, that seems to be... Seems to be a, a pretty good indicator of how the game's going to go if you can, you know, you know, win a draw once in a while. Well, and the other thing that I, I kind of focused on when I was looking at things is Michigan Tech has been pretty bad in the the second period this season so far. Um, I mean, the Lake State series is a little different because it was there wasn't a lot of scoring and Tech ended up scoring a goal in the second game, but the the Minnesota State series, they got outshot and dominated both games. And then uh, Saturday's game against Bemidji State, they got dominated on the scoreboard, but they actually ended up having more shots. And then, uh, so really, I felt like Sunday's game was one of the first times since the Lake State series, or probably the first time since the Lake State series, that they really had a good second period. They got outshot by one shot, but they put up two goals and took the best of their opportunities. Uh, probably the best thing I can say about this Tech team so far has been special teams, but I think because there's been no crowds, though there haven't been as many penalties, there haven't been as many opportunities. We're at six games, and Michigan Tech has had, I think it's 16 or 18 power plays and, or, and then 16 or 18 penalty kill opportunities. It's not a ton, especially for this league. But they're, they've allowed one power play goal and they've scored three, so they're doing pretty well on that mark. Probably a little lower on the power play than you want this early in the year with that few opportunities. But if if you can stay at 18 20% for the year, I think you'd be pretty happy with that as from from tech perspective. I was just happy to see us avoid a, a major penalty this weekend, yeah, so I'm glad we broke that streak. I was going to make the same comment. I, there was no incredibly long extra review you know, to uh, to get in the way of actually watching hockey. It's always nice when the game does move along pretty well, although the, that second period Saturday was a little slow with all those goals. <laughs> well, you know, that'll happen. <laughs> a little painful. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about that series? Otherwise, we can kind of talk about what, what Joe talked about 
this morning, Monday morning. I don't, but I don't have a whole lot on that either. I think just overall to see them come back and put up a shutout the second night, I think was really huge because I'm sure a lot of fans sat at home after Saturday's game and said, oh my gosh, here we go. Another one of these weekends or we just can't get it going. And the team came out and put together a solid game on Sunday and uh, Pietola with the shutout. And I think the team then goes back home with a totally different feeling for how the weekend went. You end on a really high note uh, as opposed to maybe what a lot of us fans were dreading was take a beating in two games to a team you know we're going to have to beat in the standings if you want to be one of those top two teams. And, you know, Saturday, uh, the second game, again, Sunday, you know, at least we came out and showed we can play with Bemidji, we can play with Mankato when we choose to. And I think that's a big positive takeaway from the weekend overall. They really shored up the defense, too. Like, when I was watching on Saturday, the defensive lapses were awful. I could not believe – it was almost like I was aghast. I, I didn't know how how – with how quickly they scored those goals. It was just the defensive lapses hanging out with the goalie to drive. It was so terrible. But then they come back on Sunday, and they just – with a shutout. They obviously made a focus of it to – shore up whatever mistakes they made in that Saturday game. And it really, uh, it really showed on that Sunday. And like you said, to shut out the team that you gave up six goals the day before to is a big momentum killer. and makes you feel way, way better about the series. And also as a side note, I didn't even know Bemidji can score over two goals. Is that allowed for them? Or is, <laughs> what's the deal with that? I thought they were capped at two. Bemidji has had their uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde season. I mean, we've got a really small sample size, right? It's only three games, but they either get shut out or they put up six. So sure. I feel bad Weird. for the Bemidji fans at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You, you watch you watch one game where you get you know smacked around by Mankato, which anybody in the WCHA has had that experience mm-hmm. in the last few years because that's what they do. And then you go and just destroy us on Saturday. Just a complete undressing that – that three or four minute, you know, chunk of a second was, like you said, defensively downright embarrassing. And then they can't get through on on Sunday. So, and it also didn't feel like like Pietola was good, but I also didn't feel like no, he there was made, nothing like saving there was no the like spectacular the game. save yeah. like there was against Mankato. Yeah, right. It was just a good solid game. It wasn't yep. like he bailed them out a ton. It was just a good solid game. He made some good saves, but nothing. Nothing like some of those things against Mankato where, right. where it felt like they kind of left him out to dry and he, he saved him. Yeah, that one had the feel of the goalie steals the game type of game, which yeah. you know is always nice to have happen once in a while. But that was definitely not the case on Sunday. The team was still up in front of him and, and, uh, and didn't let Bemidji get those opportunities at all where he had to make the spectacular save. So was there anything from the Joe Sean hour today? That you want to talk about, Rob? I didn't get to finish listening, to be honest. We had to start early, and I thought we were starting at 8, so I still got 15 minutes to go. But uh, <laughs> no, there wasn't too much there wasn't too much surprising in there. I, I do think the you know one thing that came out with the, the post-game show on, I think it was on Sunday, so uh, hopefully Joe's health's all right. He sounded like he was actually maybe in the hospital um, for a bit there afterwards. So hopefully everything's all right with Joe. Yeah, I was kind of wondering where he gets the the sense that people were accusing him of dodging interviews because I don't really remember seeing that anywhere except for Discord. <laughs> uh, Discord. 
Discord. Well, I love our Discord. We tend to have uh, feast or famine style drama in there, right? Everybody's happy or everybody's angry. So and the only thing I took from the Joe show was really him talking about how happy he is with everybody's effort. Um, I did think it was kind of funny where he was talking about he, his nice little analogy about how he felt like he got through. Um, how did he explain it? He was trying to explain it in math terms where he was saying like he thought last year he got the, he was good with uh, teaching addition and subtraction. So he thought this year he could move on to multiplication and division. And instead yeah, he, he had to, go, to back. go back. He did say they went back to basics. They went back, they went back to basics in practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talking about how some of like the basic things and the conditioning, like just, he just got to start over. And I do kind of find it funny where he like, it, it reminds me of towards the end of the Mike McCarthy era. He, he changed his philosophy from, teaching coaching to the like the the least educated player on the team to trying to keep, teach more sophisticated things and i and i think and that's kind of when it fell apart for him and it was kind of funny because it's <laughs> like so much of football is letting your natural skill do what it's supposed to do but that needs that fundamental base and if you're not you need to get that like all the sports basically you need to worry about your fundamentals all the time and if you and if you don't get that from your coaches and you're not putting enough effort into that everything else it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter how sophisticated you are if your instincts don't naturally get you to do what you should in the first place you never get the opportunity to do the the fancier things the the multiplication and the division you got to have your basics right like look like that uh the turnover on Saturday when the tech defender knocks the puck away from like the the sweet spot in the middle of the uh, like right in front of the goalie, but the two tech defenders just kind of let it go because they think the other one's going to get it. Yeah, yeah, and that, it goes that right was, to the Bemidji that, guy, and it's just that like, wasn't a nice goal. No, that was not nice, but that's that's a fundamental thing where it's just like you know you have to take responsibility for it. You can't just leave that puck there no matter what. Like one of you, I would rather get it. You I would rather see two out. or three guys going at it than it just being left there because it was just left there and you got four guys staring at it that yeah that one was bad yeah i liked here i liked how he talked about crespi um getting his first goal on sunday and how he feels like like things are starting to click for crespi and that he can give him more responsibility and feels like once like once he turns one more corner maybe he will be a guy that can be counted on to contribute and be a two-way player. I did laugh that was it did he call out Bratzman for being a little too uh I'll say ghoulish. <laughs> yeah, the, him and Hallen and he both called out I think. For for uh, cheating a little too much uh, offensively, for, for right? For looking looking to go offensive before it was time to go offensive. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bit and of I, that. And I get that, but I I also feel like one of Joe's biggest flaws is he stifles that a little too much. Like he's a little too defensive minded that doing that every once in a while isn't the biggest issue. And he needs to let his guys use their instincts to, to take those chances as, as long as it's not, as long as the two of them aren't on the ice at the same time, trying to do that at the same time, I don't really have a problem with one guy. I don't want a guy like Gavin Gould that barely enters the defensive zone, but I have no problem with a guy taking a jump as soon as he thinks 
the turnovers happening to get a couple steps on the defenseman. But uh, yeah, I do think that's one of Joe's biggest flaws is is the the old flaming Jamie Russell defense. Yeah. Yeah, there, Except there's it actually been a... is a little more successful than those years. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a difference in philosophy from an attack an attacking mentality that we had with with Mel to a little bit more defensive minded with Joe. There's no doubt about that. All right. So we haven't really talked about Alaska canceling their season yet, right? At least not since we started recording our audio. So let's focus on that. Uh, this week, the University of Alaska at Fairbanks canceled their hockey season. Probably the biggest bit of news there, or two bits of news, was that the coaching staff at the University of Alaska was not involved in that decision. And there was a rumor reporting that Northern Michigan was willing to host Alaska so that all their games could be played at the Barry Event Center on uh, weekends when Northern was not there. I assume maybe we, I don't know if we'd have to have reshuffled the schedule, but whatever. The There was an opportunity there for all the players to be housed at Northern and play there, which which makes some sense because yeah, I guess I don't the know connection. if their their temporary rink that they did they start using that other rink last year too, or were they waiting? Who's that? Alaska. Alaska. Yeah, where they they were waiting to move to the smaller rink, right? Till no, like they played they played in the year. Carson Center last year, and they, I don't think they had moved yet. I don't think they were going to be moving this year. Yeah. What I recall. They were waiting for something to be done at the new one, I think, before they were moving into that one. But So they were staying on an Olympic sheet, which is fitting. But uh, for whatever reason, the University of Alaska chose not to do that. And um, the season was canceled. I know I saw a tweet from their coach that was pretty disappointed in the decision because they want to play. I don't blame them for wanting to play. Um, I know I saw some points even in in our Discord or in our Slack chat and in online about apparently there might have been penalties that could be levied against them for canceling the season this late. I'm sure from the WCHA perspective that no offense to the University of Alaska, but I highly doubt most of the teams in the conference were all that upset about not having to travel to Alaska. Mm-hmm. So they were probably completely okay with them canceling because it also balances the league out that everybody can play every weekend now. Uh, when only you lost Anchorage, you can't really adjust the schedule at all because it is what it is and you can't really... Somebody's got to be off every week, which makes it really hard to get your, your number of games in that you want because you can't really tweak the schedule unless you start playing... Unless you basically moved all of the... the uh, closest rival games to weekdays and started using weekends for other stuff which is a little goofy to do so thoughts on alaska canceling their season well two things that i thought of right off the bat was obviously one this comes late in the process you know when they already had a pseudo deadline a couple weeks ago of make your decision are you in or you're out and at that point alaska was in um but to see you know, let's say the administration of the university make this decision without talking to the coaching staff and also come out and make the statement that this decision is not up for debate. There's not going to be a save the season movement that's going to change our minds. We're done and that's final. We'll see you next year, whatever that is. 
Um, I thought that was very interesting to see that, you know, this decision was made. There will be no discussion. doesn't matter how bad you want it. And in my mind, it, it kind of brought into the thought process, is this strictly a dollars decision? Because clearly a lot of other teams have figured out how to do this safely within reason, you know, not quite to the NCHC level of isolating everyone, but there are teams out there doing it successfully, playing safely, and yet Fairbanks has decided absolutely not. This will not happen. It doesn't matter what you think. We're done, and we'll see you next year. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. It, it doesn't seem like it was the hockey team making the decision at all, from what I can tell and from what I've seen on Twitter with it. You know, the, the, the team wants to play. They have their protocols in place, and the decision came down from above to, to make the decision to not have the season. You know, the only plus that might come out of this for Fairbanks is because it did happen so late. You know, let's say they had decided to pull the plug a month ago. Would it have cost them players for next season? Would at that point guys have said, you know what, if I'm going to lose this whole full season, I might call a few coaches and see what my options are. And now that it's so late, most of the teams are already rolling. You know, they're kind of locked in. They probably can't even get back in the USHL or something like that. They're just going to have to sit in Alaska and, and go to class and really miss out on hockey uh, from a competitive standpoint until next year. So maybe it's a little bit of a blessing for UAF. It kind of keeps their team intact, whereas if this had happened a month ago, it might have splintered them more severely. Sure. Sure. And who knows what happens with that because it, this – I wouldn't be surprised if you still have players take this as an opportunity to leave because they don't have a conference next year. They'll still take that opportunity, even if it means they're not really part of a team this year, that they're just transferring because they because they have the opportunity because of no season that they'll just get out of there so that mm-hmm. they can be, you know, maybe they'll transfer to St. Thomas so that they can uh, go play next year for a new team or whatever. Yeah, and they'll have the immediate eligibility because – they didn't play any games, so technically they have now sat out the entire year and they can start playing anywhere they want game one next year. Yeah. Well, I do believe this year there's a waiver from the NCAA, so you could play again next year if you wanted. I know there's a waiver that if they, they could go back to like the USHL and that doesn't, yeah, they can just come back to college and that's fine. And this year doesn't count as a year anyway. Is that anybody can go back down? Could you go back down, uh, or is that only for freshmen that haven't played NCAA at all? I think anybody can go down. It's it's just a matter of also meeting the requirements of the USHL. You have to be you can only be so old to play in that league. Mm-hmm. So most of Tech's non freshmen are too old for that. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things that could happen to Alaska because of this decision, just from the standpoint of this could really decimate them going forward from a, from being an independent for at least a stretch here. If you get some defections of, in, of key players, like this decision to cancel the season could ultimately like be the end of the program in some respects, if they lose the right players and, and struggle to build that back up as an independent. Now I do think as an independent, Alaska, as the only Alaska school, is in a good place because 
teams can agree to home and homes and those road games don't count against your schedule. So every other Mm -hmm. year you only have to come up with two games. I would not be surprised if Michigan Tech plays Alaska two games every year and just alternates and takes those extra games every other year so that they can do another trip out east or whatever and keep that relationship. Because I do think from a a one-off series every other year that that is a beneficial thing to the program because I do think a team like Michigan Tech likes that road trip to like be a team bonding thing and you can do that early in the season and uh, and get something out of it. I don't think you're going to want to be agreeing to do that trip like the weekend after Carnival, but October, November, it's a good time mm-hmm. to do something like that. So it's tough to see them do it because I do think it puts them in a bad place, but uh, I don't really. I'm not really surprised it happened. I'm kind of surprised it took this long because of the travel. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some pushback from other WCHA schools that were supposed to go to Alaska about protocol and getting there and expectations and and that. But I also wouldn't be surprised if some of these schools are kind of pissed off that they it got canceled this late because, it, like team teams had to, we're going to be starting to travel to Alaska and like two weeks right three weeks for series so who so who bought flights already yeah i'd imagine most programs that would have their flights bought already once the, the calendar their schedule comes out you'd probably get on them yeah and that's insurance. On. yeah maybe they bought the insurance this year but um, <laughs> this year would make but sense I, but but the other thing is too like in this weird covid year like the rest of us aren't buying our flights to the last minute because they're not expensive a week and a half out. Like it, mm. it makes sense to wait. So maybe they did too. And maybe even though externally we heard there was a drop dead date of a couple weeks ago that internally the leagues kind of knew we need to know by this date before we start buying flights kind of thing. And I guess I don't even, I'd have to go look at the schedule to see if Alaska or if, if Alaska was on the road the first weekend in January, that makes it a little easier. Speaking of cheaper travel, Arizona State, they're without a conference this year, but they're doing a scheduling agreement with the Big Ten. They're kind of in a similar boat as the Alaska schools, you know, geographically separate, but they have money, right? And I read an article about ASU. They're doing a month-long road trip, so they're playing all these Big Ten teams. You know, they're in Columbus, they're in East Lansing, uh, they're in Ann Arbor, and they're just staying in the Midwest for a month. But to do it, they had to – the school – forked over $800,000 to make sure that they could do it. <laughs> but they did have cheaper hotels because not a lot of hotels are being used. And as you mentioned with the flights, I'm sure there's a lot of cheaper flights too, although they're not going back and forth, but that's more of an issue for the Alaska schools and all of that. But it's interesting how a school, you know, a giant school like Arizona State is able to pay the 800000 to get a month's plus of uh, games in, but a school like Alaska is not able to, and they suddenly cancel it after the deadline. So we have a haves and haves nots there of college hockey. Yeah, and I don't think that's that's surprising to anybody to see those numbers that that, that cost and that a, a school like Fairbanks can't take that on compared to Arizona, right? Yep, you know, we've, definitely. We've heard nothing but budget issues coming out of Alaska for the last two, three years, and it's been a question of are the programs going to survive or not? And with Anchorage, we mm-hmm. see the answer is no, right? So it, it's it's definitely 
universities that are in very different places. And how much does that got to suck as a Arizona fan, a player, right? You know, come play hockey in the desert where the weather's nice when you play your winter sport. Oh, by the way, yeah. you're going to the Midwest for, you know, a month. <laughs> <laughs> Put your flip-flops away. <laughs> that does stink, but well, the article I read, I'll have to find it. Uh, I was looking before and I couldn't, but they talked about, the the players talked about how fun it was, actually, because they could do, you know, imagine spending like a month away with your college buddies. Oh, yeah. That'd no, be pretty it's... fun. That would be, now you're not getting, well, I think the best part, obviously, is that uh, Arizona State can't brag about the weather that they're right. uh, leaving right. or going to, yeah. going to it like they usually do on Twitter. That always, that yeah. always gets me. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind being stuck in my twenties in a pandemic with like 20 of my best friends. That, that yeah, sounds like pretty a pretty good. good way to get through the pandemic. Honestly, not too bad. No, I would agree with that. <laughs> you know, and I think with Alaska, you know, canceling their season, I think we'd probably all be in agreement that probably was the only flight for the WCHA teams. I mean, even Bemidji to uh, down to Huntsville, I think they were bussing that. So is there anybody flying anywhere in the WCHA? That was the one flight they were going to have to make, and now that's off the books mm-hmm. for them. So yeah. Yeah. now it is a bus league, literally. Bus league achieved. Well, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's hard to disagree with any choice to bus, because I do think teams have flown to Huntsville before, but in this year, I think it's the right choice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it just makes sense to to do that versus getting on a flight or spending that much time in an airport and all that stuff. Because it's not like these guys are getting charter flights where they don't have to interact with other people at the airport. Nope. Yeah, it's, it's, it's normal airport flights. So the last thing we've got is previewing the Northern Michigan series. Uh, by the time you guys listen to this, unless you're a patron, Northern will have already played Ferris State on Wednesday. We don't know what's going to happen there. Hopefully, Northern Michigan has their disease issue under control for once in a generation. <laughs> They're used to it. A lot of testing, right? Used to testing. So hopefully the games do happen this weekend after Northern gets to warm up against Ferris State. They're just playing one against Ferris, right? They're not playing more than one. Yeah, they're just playing Wednesday. I don't. Okay. I assume they play on another Wednesday or something. Yeah, but, I don't know. Scheduling is weird. But they play this Wednesday to get started, and then they've got a home and home with Tech. I forget which way this one is. We start home at Houghton, and then we go on the road for Saturday. Okay, and it is a Friday Saturday for once. Well, so far it is. <laughs> give give it 24 hours is it is it normal puck drop the amount of Absolutely. games the amount of games you have to scroll through that are happening midweek to get to the games of the weekend is way too damn high isn't that weird <laughs> yeah but yeah no ryan is correct at 707 on friday night so it is normal normal hockey time not this I'm doing something around the house and have to set an alarm to remember there's a hockey game thing. Exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to a normal puck drop on a Friday that I can do, try and do my normal, somewhat normal routine of putting my kid to sleep during first intermission. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to expect in terms of talking about the series itself. Northern's not played at all. Are we going to get a mankato style not played at all or we're going to get a bemidji style not played at all (laughs) you know is it going to be a bunch of guys that are raring to go or is it going to be rusty guys who knows (laughs) are we going to get that poor little man 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. He he who shall not be named in whining wines butter. Yeah, are we guy? gonna get him bitching and moaning and taking major penalties? Kind of. Starting, I mean, start to the season or is, what? Is there any doubt there's going to be bitching and moaning? <laughs> I don't know. It'll, you know, that'll be a really interesting aspect of this series because it's being played without fans. About how much different the chippiness is when it's just the players. I don't think it'll and there, matter. And there's no, I, it shouldn't. <laughs> I, I don't expect it to be different, but it might be because you don't have that. Nobody's no. trying to get the crowd engaged in this game like they would be normally. And I do know, I understand what you're getting at. But I also feel like some of the reason that a guy like, I can't even, what is his name? Lofgren. <laughs> Lofgren, yeah. Yeah. A guy like Lofgren, I feel like half the reason he does what he does, might some of it's to get at the player. But I feel like some of it's to get the crowd engaged too like there's a component to that that i wonder how much there's some showmanship there the the chippiness will actually be this weekend because of the lack of the crowd yeah is any player going to go out and plant their stick at center ice when there's no fan to see it happen right I, i played club soccer and we played northern several times a year it didn't matter that no one was watching us it still was our chippiest crappiest ugliest game of the year in terms of just intensity of the game and that's at the club level there's just that inherent hatred between the two schools that uh that brings out that fun layer of the game i don't think that's going to go away without fans at least i hope it's not i hope the players understand that and there's still an audience that's watching it sorry ryan (laughs) (laughs) you know this is something that i discussed offline that for us as fans and, and probably for the players as well when northern michigan comes up on the schedule you know, that gets the adrenaline going. It's it's the rivalry weekend. But I almost kind of wish Tech would start looking at Bemidji and Mankato in that same way of, this is the team that you need to beat to be a perennial champion in the WCHA. Mankato has kind of established themselves as everything goes through Mankato. And until you can knock us off, um, you know, it, it's a big deal. But for Northern, that's the series we always seem to circle, whether they're going to finish 10th, 12th, 2nd. Everybody gets up for Northern. No, I think that's a really good point. And a, there seemed to be for the first couple of years there that rivalry was starting to get there with Tech and Mankato. And then Mankato just kept going upwards in their trajectory to where they are now. And we've kind of plateaued in the in the middle of the league. Well, Mankato is definitely the number one expectation in the league at this point. Even if they, were, even if they lose a vast majority of their players, they're still they're expected to be at the top of the league at this point. It would be nice to see us get back to that expectation as well that seemed to be starting there for a couple of years, but it's kind of tailed off a bit. And to, and to have that rivalry formed with Mankato would be really nice to see, but unfortunately, Mankato's a tier above the rest of the WCHA at this point, without a doubt. You know, there's there's no there's no way to sugarcoat that. They are the best team in the league, and they're expected to be the best team in the league every year. Yep. Yeah, for Mankato, a stinker is 40 shots and they only get two goals or get shut out, but they always have a lot. Like, you never see them lose a game because they had, like, 22 shots. Right. I see a lot of, like, Big Ten, like, fans, like, Gopher fans or Badger fans or WCHA fans talk about how much the league or, like, oh, everything's changed, it's so different. But for UMD's perspective, not much has changed. 
they're still playing the in-state rivals that they were with in the WCHA. They're still playing a lot of the rivals that were uh, that are now in the league. And not a whole lot has changed. It's it's kind of interesting. I when I I just kind of spark to myself when I hear people talk about how things are different, which is true for you know WCHA fans and Big Ten fans, but for a UMD NCHC fan, North Dakota fan, not a whole lot has changed with your your like if you travel for games, what you're watching, who you're playing. Uh, no, so that's that's been Denver, that's been nice. CC, St. Cloud, North Dakota, UMD. Yep. it's pretty much the same. Yep, they basically got rid of some of the series they didn't really care about and got to keep a pretty good rivalry base in conference. And then you still get to play Bemidji and Mankato and Uh Minnesota. Um, Yeah. It makes sense that from your guys' perspective, not much has changed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would hate to be a gopher fan or like for us, right. Yeah. A gopher fan or a badger fan. I moved to Minneapolis so I could be within a five hour drive of like eight different series each year. And now I've got Bemidji State, where I'm stuck in Omaha this weekend, so I couldn't go, even though I would have had my daughter anyway, so I couldn't go on a press pass because I can't exactly take my daughter to a game with no fans. And then I think the Mankato series here is also on a weekend. I'm supposed to have my kids. So like that's always been the thing that stunk for me since this happened, is the number of games I can go to that are closer than Houghton is usually like two to six a year depending on who we play non-conference because we don't play in Bemidji every year we don't play in Mankato every year so it's very limiting and it and it was very focused on okay I need to find a way to make those couple weekends work or I'm not going to any games this year because it's it's hard to to take a toddler to Houghton it's a long car ride for a for a five-year-old I mean, with iPads, it's not that big a deal, but it's still a long weekend to <laughs> mm-hmm. to hear how we there yet for three hours or four hours. <laughs> well, the great part is next year, you should come back with a balanced schedule. So you're going to have home and road with the Tommies, home and road with the Beavers, yeah. home and road with Mankato. That's pretty much a certainty starting next year. Well, it'll be really interesting to see what they choose because I think at least a few teams are leaning towards the NCHC style of 24 games, which is not balanced. So it'll be interesting to see what that happens. But, you know, one more St. Thomas being added certainly helps me because that means there should be at least two series closer every year. If not, and there could be more. If I'm in your position there with the Tommies playing, I'm, probably going to watch the Tommies play whoever they're playing that weekend a lot of the times anyways I mean yeah Yeah. I might start doing that from uh especially if I can get a press pass for it because I'm sure I'm covering for the league and and that kind of thing like if I've got a weekend where I don't have my kid and I can go watch live hockey and and stream the tech game while I'm sitting there. Yeah, I'll probably do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would I would do that. Why why not? <laughs> That's an interesting note you make. I I hope that the CCHA does what the NCHC does where they have 24 league games instead of 28. And then that opens up more non-conference series for you because a lot of the CCA, the new CCHA teams will be very close to some of the NCHC teams and you can have another non-conference series that's pretty relatively close. That always made sense to me, and I think that would open up more UMD TAC, uh, TAC St. Cloud, you know, Tommies and other people. I think that makes a lot of sense to do it that way. I don't know. I, 
I think Tech and UMD are two schools that ought to be playing each other a lot more than they do. I mean, it's not a far drive for you guys. It's one of our closest drives we can have. Yep. It That series makes a ton of sense to have nearly every year if possible. And from a purely selfish standpoint, I would go to those most years anyways. Yep, yep. For sure. I, I, no, I, I think without an Alaska school in the conference, it makes sense to be at the 24 games so that you've got a decent block of non-conference opportunity. Um, especially when I wouldn't be surprised if quite a few teams continue to play Huntsville and Alaska on a semi-regular or even annual basis just because I don't think it's a big deal for most of those schools to play in Huntsville one year and in Fairbanks the next year and just kind of try and help those two schools in some fashion without having to commit to going, you know, playing them four times a year, mm-hmm. which I think is the bigger issue. If you can get one more point in on that, I think that was really what was the demise of the WCHA as it sits today was when both Alaska schools got lumped together in one conference. When you both had Alaska one schools old, and Huntsville. And yep. that as well. You know, when you had one in the CCHA and one in the WCHA, nobody liked going up there, but everybody took their one lump for the year, maybe not yep. even every year, and they dealt with it. But once they got grouped together... And then as Rob pointed out, you threw Huntsville on top of that pile of steaming stuff. You know, then it was just like, this is too much to bear. We can't carry this kind of load financially. We don't want to do it from a travel standpoint. And then that was the end. Well, and not even just the fact that you put them together. It's the fact that you put them together and then ask the, like, seven of the least financially yeah, viable was, schools that was in where I was going. hockey to, to, to bear that load. Yep while these other teams bailed on all of it, like it, it's tough to like, it sucks to be fans of those three teams. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. And I feel for them and I didn't want it to happen. And as a fan of the WCHA, I was happy during the reshuffling that none of those schools got excluded. But no matter what the travel subsidy is, unless the schools were literally paying nothing to go to Alaska, it was a lot to ask schools in the in the UP and and like what Huntsville or Huntsville and Bowling Green are probably the only ones that really have and Mankato, I guess they're probably the only ones that really have a decent airport to go to without a terribly long bus ride to get to Alaska. And even Huntsville, one of Huntsville's biggest problems as a school as a whole is the fact that the business base is all government contracts. So the, the, the airlines gouge the crap out of everybody flying in and out of there because people are not directly paying for that stuff. And the, and the government or the, the airlines know that so they can gouge everything there. It's one of the most expensive airports to use because of it. So that, that hurts them. Um, but, you know, so most of the teams have a difficult travel. I mean, Tech usually either drove down to Minneapolis. Sometimes they drive down to Green Bay, but that's a big mess to go. I think Green Bay may have been more when they were going out to Colorado, but that doesn't really save you much from going to the cities. You might as well go to the cities. And then I a lot of times I think, at least during the Mel Pearson era, they they did a lot of flying out of Minneapolis because 
it made sense because then all the coaches got a day to go recruit the Twin Cities before they flew out. Smart. Um, and that kind of stuff. But it's it's definitely it's it was just a lot to ask those other seven schools to take on and expect it to work for a long period of time. It, it was kind of inevitable that this would happen, especially with the lack of success from specifically Anchorage and Huntsville mm-hmm. that it hurt the other seven schools opportunity to make the tournament because the more they played each other, the more opportunity you are to have a hiccup against that team. Whereas your NCHC teams played those teams maybe twice a year. And it's a lot easier to sweep one series than it is to sweep two. And two and oh is a lot better in the pairwise than three and one when it comes to these bad teams. Sure. So it's just a tough place to be, especially with how much it felt like Huntsville and Anchorage were really struggling to be successful at all outside of the conference. I know we can talk about it that like Bemidji struggled. I think they made some comment about how it had been like two years since Bemidji won a non-conference game or something before before Saturday. I thought that's what I heard the announcers say, something oh, crazy I missed like that. that. One. Um, but that's because Bemidji usually plays North Dakota, UMD, and St. Cloud right out of the gate. Minnesota, too. Like, that's not an easy schedule for anybody. I mean, but I think that's enough on that. I'm probably going to. All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch while supplies last and access to an extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to the monthly Zoom chat featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, and the MTU captains. The next up, as I mentioned earlier, is Brad Patterson, head coach of the Youngstown Phantoms. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions to our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. (coughs) Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. As always, thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction, which I'm really excited to somehow manipulate to say CCHA next season. And our patron saint, Doc McResin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the Thank You Notes. That's the name of the band with all the music. For all of you wondering, since somebody asked me that and didn't pick up on it, the name of the band is The Thank You Notes. But nobody listens to this part of the podcast anyway. Uh, The thank you notes do all the bumpers for every episode, pretty much. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com.